Today's episode is a really special one. We're reflecting on 2020, both e-commerce lessons and life lessons. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but it's also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability, that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear first-hand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about, like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Behind on planning for Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Well, Klaviyo is here to help. Klaviyo is the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and all sizes. With email automation, SMS marketing, list growth tools, and more, you'll get everything you need to build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back. And with the holiday season right around the corner, there's no time like the present. Get up and running quickly with Klaviyo's lightning-fast integrations, pre-built marketing automations, and the beautiful email templates. Whether you're a billion-dollar business or just starting out, Klaviyo is the e-commerce marketing platform for growth during the holidays and long after. Get a free trial at klaviyo.com 2x. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash 2X. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth. Cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's the deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W, 
ind.io install rewind you get to use it for free for seven days if you reach out to the rewind team and mention the 2x e-commerce podcast that extend your seven day trial for a full month for free enjoy peace of mind with rewind backups remember to head over to rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2x e-commerce podcast for a full month trial Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast show. I'm your host, Kune Campbell, and this is the e-commerce podcast dedicated to rapid growth in the direct-to-consumer selling space. So if you work in marketing at an e-commerce business or a founder, I'm going to help you sell more directly to your customers. Now, each week on the podcast, I interview an e-commerce expert, you know, or a founder at a direct-to-consumer e-commerce business or a representative from a best-in-class e-commerce SaaS, um, you know, product. But this week is slightly different um, because you're going to be listening to me. You're going to hear a lot from me. And, and the reason why is this is a reflection, a 2020 reflection episode. So I have on my notes e-commerce lessons and life lessons. I have about eight e-commerce lessons I've learned. Now, these are very broad, um, but um, they've been sort of pivotal mindset changing moment, which I want to share with you. I've taken notes over the last 12 months. And then the life lessons are about three life lessons I have to share with you in this episode. And the, the more um, that they're the applied as the name implies to, to life and business, you know, in, in, in general. Given that this is an e-commerce podcast show, I'm going to talk about e-commerce lessons first. But before we talk about e-commerce lessons, if you haven't already, um, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, remember to subscribe to this podcast. We're on YouTube as well as on all podcasting platforms. So hit the subscribe button and also leave us a review if you have an Apple podcast app. Okay. It really, really helps with this podcast. Now we jump into the e-commerce lessons. Now the first lesson, the first point I, you know, just looking back at 2020, the first thing I, I want to point out, the first thing is how I stopped focusing on traffic and started focusing on attention and audience building, particularly audience building. You know, I come from like an SEO background. Uh, you know, many years ago, I was involved in, in SEO and, and PPC. And we always talked about clicks and traffic and sessions. Yes, they're important because actual human beings actually, or should, you know, um, you know, click through to websites and all. However, however, audiences are really, I think audiences with, with the emergence of social media, Audiences have been incredibly important. Understanding who you're talking to from an audience perspective allows you to frame how you talk to them and connect your why to to, to bridge that connection because it's it's really really about audiences. It's about 
getting the attention of audiences, essentially. And, and that is the very basis of Facebook advertising, of advertising in general. You know, um, you create a persona of who you're trying to target. You create your narrative of what you want to say to them. And then you bridge it through any advertising platform, essentially. So, so understanding audiences is like, super important and and now i focus on you know um who are the people um listening the who who who's actually consuming the media or the message i'm trying to convey it's super super important and and this just goes back to the fundamentals of advertising and marketing in general and um, it also really circles back to to a lot of the stuff Gary V talks about, um, and he, he really focuses on audiences on attention. And the biggest currency right now on the planet, right now in 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 the business world, the, the biggest currency is attention right now. And in order for you to gain attention, you need to understand audiences and. Um, and so it's so it's it's really important because the other interesting thing about it is if you get your audience right, a portion of that audience you target that's able to sort of pick up the message or resonate with that message will propagate the message eventually. So it's just important if there's one thing you want to serve takeaway in you know 2021 is forget traffic and think audiences and we we get a bit caught up with traffic in the sense that traffic are had tangible numbers but audiences is audiences are more intangible they it's emotive in a way um and just getting audiences essentially is important. Sometimes you can attract audiences with the kind of message you put out, especially from an organic standpoint and from a, um, like if you're using influencers to reach out to, to audiences, and that's another way, another massive crazy hack. You know, I learned, I loved my interview with Tracy, like Ace. Um, that was just amazing. Um, but, just to, to get back to the point, um, using um, people who or you know, influencers essentially that control audiences to propagate your message, you 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 sort of short circuit to, to getting your message out there. And your message could be an offer. Your message could be a drop, a product drop. Your message could be your story. Um, but but really understanding audiences and starting to create personas is groundbreaking and it's not just a Facebook advertising thing. That's what I wanted to say. So that's point number one in e-commerce lessons. Now, point number two in the e-commerce lessons is focus on paid, focusing on paid acquisition only means you're a renter. So if like 80% of all you do um, to promote your direct consumer brand is on acquisition, it's not long-term. It shouldn't be long-term. So you know, if you're building out your, your your brand for the very first time, obviously paid acquisition is the way to accelerate what you're trying to do. You know what you're to to accelerate the the attention. However, understand that you're renting at that point in time. 
you are pretty much a renter and you're dependent on a platform. Now, you'd always be dependent on a platform for acquiring new customers, but the at the idea is to start to own rather than rent own. And the fastest way to own to 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 the fastest route to go from a renter to an owner is acquiring email addresses, right? Um, when you acquire the email address on a mobile phone, you have a direct means of communicating with the audience you're targeting. So having that mindset, I adopted the mindset that anytime we focus on paid acquisition, we have to understand that we're renting and we need to short circuit the transition from renting to owning pretty quickly, right? Even if it's not a purchase yet, um, just have that mindset that like anytime I'm running a paid acquisition, you know, um, campaign, I'm a renter and, um, being a renter is okay for short term, but long term it pays to own. It's okay to be a renter if you're just starting out as you need, as you need to put a roof over your head, but longer term aim to own the attention of audiences through email, SMS, and even YouTube subscriptions. Okay. Um, that, that was like, you know, that, that, that's a major, major lesson, e-commerce lesson for, for 2020, which you should take over to 2021. Now, point number three is product on the one hand and marketing should be one and the same. Now, um, I have been, I have coached and advised e-commerce businesses whereby their product department is in one side of the building, metaphorically, and their marketing department is in another side of the building. That is freaking wrong. You need to bring both product and marketing together because they feed back off each other. And, you know, marketing should also be very analytical, should get a lot of feedback from your customer service. So if you could create that loop where you have almost like a, a triangle where you have product, right? So whatever, how you, however you're developing your product, you know, where you're, you're, you're implementing product imp- improvement or you're running product drops on a regular basis, um, and then you have your marketing department, you know, looking for audiences or communicating with existing audiences you own with these products and drops. Um, it is super powerful. And what actually gives you the extremely superpower is the third bit, which is customer service, giving marketing continuous feedback in a very structured manner so that marketing understands what's working and what's not at a more qualitative viewpoint. So at a more emotive viewpoint. So if there's certain frustrations that keep on coming through, your customer service should have a very nice line of communication with your marketing department in order to feed that back to product. You know, it should just be a loop where even customer service should talk to your product people if they're like very product specific issues right? Um, so, so just loop that and, and make sure you blend product 
with marketing, and I know product could be very technical. Let's say you're you're, you're running an electronic, you know, business, and you're, you're you're running, you're selling electronics, for instance, and you're developing them. You know, you're, you're creating these electronics. I know it'd be very difficult having engineers sit side by side with with marketers, but it is incredibly important that there's that open line of communication between product and marketing. And that allows for very, very quick improvement. So very, very quick, um, you know, feedback loops and also very, very quick product innovation. It just allows, you know, you to, to, it increases the velocity of your flywheel, of your growth flywheel. If, um, marketing is very well in the know with what's going on in product and vice versa. Now, not every member of your marketing team needs to be in communication with your product team. It could be your leaders, you know, your, your VPs in marketing. It could be particular leaders in, in marketing and product that um, are always in sync. Um, and, and, and that just will, will, will make a massive difference. Now, point number four is that retail is not dead, right? Shopping is a social event and a physical experience. I think this this was this this particular point was inspired by um by a it was an article I read on um the Times, London Times, and it was um pretty much the um it was um the CEO of Primac. Now, if you don't know what, who Primac is, Primac are um, one of the, they're, they're based in Ireland, they were founded in Ireland, but they're a, um, they're a huge, huge retail clothing store. Um, they do male, female, and they do a little bit of homeware at rock bottom prices, right? And at okay quality, but they just, when it comes to physical retail, they're, they just do it. They, they do one of the best in the UK, especially, and um, they, they also have lots of European, um, European, um, you know, stores. And the interesting thing about Primark is they don't have an e-commerce site. They don't sell direct to the consumers on on an e-commerce site. They only do physical. And 2020, it'd be interesting. I haven't actually looked at their their numbers in 2020, but 2020 would have been ridiculously ridiculously tough for um, for Primark. And the interesting thing was was that their CEO, um, I think his name is Paul Mochant, put up an article which I'll share in the show notes about. Um, the, I'll give you the title. Anyone who thinks that shopping in person is over or outdated will be naive. And so he, he starts out with vaccines starting to roll out and the positives um, um, of the fact that um, the future is quite optimistic, which, you know, I, I hope it is. And he's just saying that, like, essentially this e-commerce boom we've had in the past 12 months has been a quote unquote moment and that people prefer, you know, um, in, you know, physical experiences and, um, yeah, that e-commerce is, is a sideline and he just, 
I think he was being an asshole, basically. <laughs> Excuse my French, you know, on um, what shopping is all about. Um, I could read the article, but I'll just share it here. Um, I'll read one or two paragraphs here. If the lockdowns have any silver lining, it's been helping us realize what really matters, physical connections with friends and family. This is why since opening in England, we have seen people turn out late at night with friends to shop at Primark and buy for Christmas. These trips are pre-planned, a source of fun and excitement, a celebration, a newfound freedom to shop in physical surroundings. Further, our research shows that going shopping is extremely important to our social lives and identifies across demographics. It is true of young and old. Shopping matters. The question is, how can we help the many shops that are viable to survive and thrive? How do we bring town centers and high streets back to life not to resurrect the past, but to build the future. Supporting shops in the battle to stay open should be top of the leveling up agenda for any government that wants to rejuvenate town centres every time a shop shots. An alarm bell should ring Whitehall. Whitehall is like, um, it's like the White House. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Clavio is the e-commerce marketing platform that helps brands build relationships with memorable email and SMS messages. Today, more than 50,000 brands like Living Proof, Hint, and Choppies choose Clavio to help them grow. Learn more and get started with the free trial at clavio.com slash 2x. That is K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash 2x. People don't need to see complex solutions. They want towns to look attractive again with a deep, clean, uh, new lick of paint and a lot of love. They went antisocial. They want antisocial behavior dealt with. Now, I empathize with what I'm saying and I we really have to think, and this is my point. My point is... Um, whilst I'm very bullish on e-commerce, I do agree with with what you know he says with, 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 what, um, with what Paul Paul Machin says, which who's the C, you know CEO of um, of Primac. Um, we have there has to be a balance. We have to strike a balance. Retail is certainly not dead, you know, and I believe shopping is a social you know um, event. Um, it it's therapeutic. It, it gives new experiences. Um, I went out with my family shopping um, pre um, pre Christmas. There were just new experiences. Um, obviously, we are locked down. As you listen to this, this is the end of the year. Um, this is the last episode of the Two X Commerce Podcast, and um, for twenty twenty, that is. And we 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 know that retail, you know, essentially, um, is an experience. That being said, we we have to figure out how to blend e-commerce experiences with e-commerce in general, with retail experiences, you know, whether it's click or collect, whether it's, you know, creating, um, creating experiences within retail that um, just encourage people to wanting to come in, you know, to walk around. I mean, retail is great. It, you get to walk around. It's good for, for the health in terms of like, you know, you know, walking around without saying so so in the UK um we we have high streets um and what's happened in many um rundown you know cities is um small businesses should really be the image of or should really be you know what's in the high street but 
um, a a lot of national retailers are you know on our high streets, and um, with the emergence of um, retail parks, those have moved and they've left really empty high streets. So I'll give you an example. I I live um, very close to Oxford um, in the UK, and um, in in Oxford we we had um, a high street and um, a new shopping mall was built. And it just created an exodus with the new shopping mall. I mean, that shopping mall was beautiful. It's like a temple, essentially. There was an exodus of shops, largely national brands, basically, moving into the into the shopping mall. And it's pretty much made the high street a bit desolate in a way. But what's happening now is there's a change as an evolution of shops to restaurants and takeaways. So many shops, many shops that many, you know, um, units that used to be predominantly retail have converted to to restaurants and also small businesses seem to be grabbing um, some real estate on the high streets. That's a bargain. And, and that's how it is. But my point is, in our quest and growth towards e-commerce, you know, being e-commerce, we need to still think about retail experiences. And we would, at some point, um, when we, you know, when we, you know, expand to a certain level, still need to start thinking, critically thinking about, you know, having a retail presence essentially um, in our towns, in our centers to support people around us, to support, to, to create a sense of community. Retail actually can create a sense of community, can create a sense of identity. Um, it's not just about making money, you know, in e-commerce. Um, it will be so less cold. It, it's also about having that physical presence and interacting with customers, even if it's a loss leader, you know, in that respect, if you can hold, you know, that foot down, but there, there's still ways of getting retail to be profitable. Essentially, I babbled on that point. Anyway, let's move on to the, to the fifth point, which is, um, um, countdown timers do work. And I wasn't really that, so it was something I missed in 2020 um, throughout sales events. So prior to 2020, I used to use some, you know, countdown timers at checkout, which is a bit finicky. Um, I wouldn't really recommend it right now, except if you sell like, you know, online tickets, something that's really, really time sensitive, but like over sales events, um, countdown timers really work if they're implemented properly. You know, if you um, put them, you know, above the fold in, in your um, top banner, um, they, they really, you know, really work your header, you know, the header area, your, your, your header banner, essentially. Um, they, they really work well. I, I know this is like a, a wild card, but, you know, um, it, it just creates a sense of um, urgency, essentially. Um, you know, so, so countdown timers work. That's why I wanted to say. So those are my, my like five key takeaways from um, from e-commerce. I did say I had about eight, but they're, they're, they're actually five, um, you know, key takeaways. Now, in terms of life lessons in 2020, um, I, so for half of 2020, um, I had crazy backaches. They were, they were crazy. I, I did a lot of tennis over the, um, I, I know I'm going really personal, over the, the lockdown, also just slightly after the lockdown. And um, I was sit, sat at my desk and I was, I have a standing desk. I was sat and I stood. Sometimes I remember to sit, I remember to stand and basically I had back pains. And there was a time when I, we couldn't go to the gym any longer. And I thought, okay, um, I'm going to start yoga. 
And the one thing I picked up on yoga was um, flexibility. And this brings me to my point. This point is optimized for strength and flexibility um, in anything you do. Um, you know, strength is good. It enables you bear a lot, right? At the same time, when you bear a lot, you could be stiff, right? With flexibility, it allows for movement, for flow, for flow-like movement. You know, like um, uh, you know, water. You know, when Bruce Lee says, "Be." Be, be as um, be as fluid as water. Uh, I forget the quote. It talks about water, you know. So, so I think you know. Generally, my 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 point basically is in in twenty twenty, um, I like to optimize essentially for um, both strength and um, for flexibility, essentially. And and it's it's something you should think about. Um, the second point I wanted to make about twenty twenty is focus on meaningful work. And meaningful relationships. Um, the the order I've gotten, um, it's the things I have said no to, just because it doesn't necessarily, I, it doesn't necessarily resonate with with meaning to me. Um, it's or the things I've accepted and said yes to that have not necessarily aligned with my with myself. I've not been able to reconcile with my inner self. So I really think time is limited. No, I think time is, you know, limited resource. And just focusing on what is meaningful from a work perspective and a relationship perspective is super important. I picked this up from the book called Principles by Robert Dalio. Um, it's it's a good, good book. Um, I would recommend going to part two and part three, and then probably going back to part one, that's what I recommend. And I think that's much better because um, part two just goes straight into the self-help bit. Um, he is, uh, you know, he's a billionaire, not just billionaire, you know, he's, 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 he has a family, a happy family, he has a great workplace. And he just tells us, tells us I think he's in his 70s. And um, he so gives us a perspective in his book as to, things is learnt. So you're speaking or hearing from a wise man, you know, um, so, so it's, it's interesting. Anyway, point number three in life lessons, and this sort of applies to, to everything, you know, whether life and work is, um, we're all hardwired to hate uncertainty. 2020 brought its fair share of uncertainty. You know, experience teaches us that, the unpredictability of the unknown is more stressful than even the knowledge of a bad event about to happen. And with a known bad event, you know, um, we just get to learn and manage how to live than, you know, what is what is expected to come. You know, so if you know there's traffic, you know, ahead of you, you and you have a meeting and you know you're you're not going to make the meeting, you'd be upset with yourself. However, you, if you're in tune with reality, you will reach out to the, to, 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 to people you're about to have the meeting with. And you'd be like, sorry, I might not be able to make it. I might be 10 or 20 minutes late. You know, this is the scenario. If however, um, you were driving and you thought you were going to get there and then something suddenly happened, which you couldn't control like COVID for instance, <laughs> um, 
you will essentially be more upset because you didn't see it happening. You know, you, you didn't see it come. And um, just that lack of control, we, we, we want to be able to control our circumstances, um, just enables us essentially um, hate uncertainty. And if you can build or bend the possibility of success by creating and finding certainty, you will create success. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, as entrepreneurs out there, we have to recognize uncertainty and the pain it is causing people, you know, huge groups of people. And if we can create or bridge, bridge certainty between the uncertainty those groups of people have and the pain, if we could solve that pain, then, um, or if we could ease that pain, we have a chance essentially at serving a market, you know, creating impact, you know, meaningful impact to a market and thriving as businesses, as meaningful businesses. If, so if that makes sense. So understanding that everybody around us is hardwired to uncertainty is super important. And that is what 2020 was all about. There was massive uncertainty um, and it, it affected everybody on, on the planet. And in 2021, moving forward, as much as we hope, we pray, we wish that, um, you know, all this is behind us. The only certain thing ahead is we don't know it's uncertain so there's uncertainty in a certain future you know and what we do is we we're, we're creating we're creating our future right now to potentially thrive in the uncertain future i've been too philosophical in this one but um Happy New Year ahead, you know, everybody. Um, and if you're listening to this, you made it through 2020. So congratulations. And, and that is this episode. And that's how we reflect on 2020. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind just search for 2x e-commerce on facebook to find it answer three questions and you'll be approved grab the show notes of this episode on our website 2xecommerce.com finally if you haven't already give the show a review on your podcasting app catch you on the next show and keep growing